All right, let's do it. I'm Andrew, and we've got Gabe uh, here, and um, we will have a name. For, <laughs> we'll have a name for this podcast soon enough. It's going to be a great name. Uh, and uh, the idea is to uh, deep dive on the Houston Astros. Um, Gabe, anything you want to add? Yeah, I'm really excited to be on this podcast. I've been a big Astros fan for uh, 25 years, probably. I'm 45. Actually, I'm sorry, that makes it more like 35, 32, 33 years. Big baseball fan. My dad used to take me to Candlestick Park to watch the Giants when I was a little kid. You know, been never remembered a time where I wasn't in a baseball game. And moved to Houston when I was about 12 and became a big Astros fan by the time I was 15. Uh, right around 1990 with uh, the, the Biggio and Caminiti and um, sort of the Astros trying to rebuild and, and become a competitive team. And then saw him do that in the two, late 90s and early 2000s, saw him become terrible again and saw him rebuild and rebuild it better and become champion. So I'm a big, big Astros fan and excited to be able to have this uh, podcast with you. Yeah, thanks. That's uh, well said. Uh, yeah, uh, same more or less, except that I I actually am from Houston, um, going to the Astrodome about the same age, uh, you know, cut my teeth on baseball in the 80s. Um, the, you know, the 86 Astros were kind of the first, uh, it was my first sports heartbreak, right? Um, I'm sure we'll get into that some, but, oh, but uh, up to this point, um, the Astros are eight and 10 at the time of this recording. Uh, so, uh, sluggish, I'll call it. Um, so far, about they to have nine won. About to be nine and 10. We're recording the top of the ninth inning, five one. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, so maybe got a couple runs across. Yeah, maybe in a few minutes we'll be nine, nine and 10, uh, which, you know, actually does sound a lot better. Um, and I was about to say, with the, so far they've won one out of the five series they've played. Um, so it, a win tonight would be would be uh, two out of six. So up to uh, um, three thirty three, which would be terrific, right? Um, Hall of Fame. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, speaking of Hall of Fame, Altuve's out. Has been out uh, since he broke his thumb in the World Baseball Classic, um, which is disappointing um there some report i read today that you know <laughs> he's moving it around he's moving his thumb around fine and expect him to be back your thoughts on that gabe i mean my thoughts are i don't trust anything that comes out of astra's injury no um, astra's front office regarding injuries you know they talk about leg discomfort and then the joke on the boards is Oh, he must—he must have had an amputation done or something like that, you know. When they say, "Hey, it's day to day," but maybe we'll be precautionary on the ten-day injured list, and then you say, "Uh oh, here comes season-ending surgery." I mean, Michael Brantley, who we decided to resign, is going to be ready to go. Remember, I mean, he kept like taking swings, and they're like, "Oh, he should be back any day now," and that was last June, right? And yeah. now they're still kind of doing the same thing. Ah, maybe he'll be back in May. First it was opening day, and now it's May. He's going to be back in May. Well, um, I guess it's a long month. First of May. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. the, the question was, who's going to be back first, Brantley, uh, Brantley or Altuve? And I, I think if you'd have given me a little bit of odds, I might have put it on Altuve. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't know when Altuve's coming back. I said as long as it was got by July 
first I was fine. It looks like he's doing a lot better than that. As far as you say, you know, big expectations, I hammered the over at 97 and a half and I, I was happy to do it, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, we were 11 and 11 last year. We started out the last two years. We started out seven and nine, which is exactly where we're at this year. Uh, doesn't mean that we can't still win 105 games, but boy, that lineup right now is woof. It's, it's not great. Not great. Um, yeah. Uh, if Brant on Brantley, I mean, 36 year old and uh, shoulder shoulders are. And shoulders are complicated. Uh, so that I, I I'm with you. That uh, that doesn't inspire a lot of uh, hope for me, sir. For his, his quick return, but yeah, um, I don't know that I was quite seeing the 97 and a half number uh, a few weeks ago. I uh, I think I had I think of it more in a range, but 90 to 95, somewhere in there, the low 90s put you right there for, you know, division title or, you know, at least right in the thick of it. So, you know, and I, and I'll tell you what, what my, my concerns are or, or were, and I guess, I guess still are, but um, uh, is there, there's something about the rotation? I think it's the depth, um, you know, losing Verlander of course uh, is one thing there's um <clears throat> There's McCullers, who I, I yeah I I have trouble having faith in McCullers being available and productive because he's very frequently unavailable, <laughs> and 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 then the rookie right so so basically what you're talking about is five starters and a rookie replacing the guy who was the at least the most productive pitcher in the net, in, in in baseball last year right so uh, Hunter Brown I think has you know, has been a pleasant surprise to date for, not, for me. Not a surprise I, to me, man. I was talking Hunter Brown, rookie of the year. Why? You, you were. Know, right now, that's a lock. I mean, I love Hunter Brown. You were. I, I, I'm maybe too long an Astros fan, a bit of a cynic. But, yeah, no, he's he's looked really good. Uh, and that is that is assuaging my uh, my fears a little bit. Um, uh, so here's how I look at it. When yeah. I, I, I hammered the over at 97 and a half, Okay. We got three guys that I think are really, really good uh, pitchers. Framber, um, Hunter Brown. I, I mean, I, I maybe it's a little early to put him in that very good category, but but that's how I feel about him. I I, I think he's going to be awesome. Yep. Okay, and then Javier, who is just he's a Cy Young guy. If he can if he can ever throw 180 or 200 innings, he's got to get a little bit more efficient. But I mean, no one no one gives up less hits than him. Um, he's got the best batting average against. He's got one of the best whips in all of baseball. He just strikes guys out like crazy. That's a guy that if he can figure out how to pitch 200 innings, will win a Cy Young, right? So we got three guys that are awesome. Go two out of three when they pitch. Win two out of three. And then we got two guys that are average or maybe a little above average or maybe a little below average. And, and Garcia and Arquiti, I don't know where they're going to finish out, but split those games, all right? That's 60%. That's 97 wins, all right? Anything you get out of Lance is upside and a bonus. And then anything you get out of like a guy like Forrest Whitley or something like that is also upside. So to me, that was the that was the path to, you know, a 100-win season is, you know, just to take care of business when your three sort of aces are on the on the mound and then split the other games. And, and that seemed eminently doable to me when you got a team as good as the Astros have been. 
and as good as we were expecting them to be. But, you know, we just haven't shown that quality at all on offense. I, I'd argue right now that our pitching was pretty good. And I think we we talked about playing a game. You know, will they be better? Is this about what, who they are or will they be worse, right? So, yep. I mean, I think maybe we can start that game. I'll, I'll, I'll start with you with the pitching staff. Framber, he's uh, got an ERA of almost two. Um, he's getting a bunch of ground balls. He's striking guys out. He's throwing a lot of innings. You know, will he be better? Is this what he is or will he be worse? With Framber, I think this is about who he is. He was very good last year and he was, was very good the year before. Um, I feel like he's in his peak. I think to date, what's he made? Three starts? Three starts. He's one and two, but he's got an ERA just under two. Yeah. And that's representative, by the way, right? You're, we're going to talk about stats and when they when they start to stabilize. But if you watch the quality of what he's done, he struggled a little bit in the first game, but, uh, you know, he's not real bad. He had some walks, but he got some ground balls. I mean, that's the framework experience, right? And then he was really good in the other two games. And it just, you know, it wasn't, he's one and two, but that's because we haven't been supporting him. Right. Yeah. The, the, the record doesn't, doesn't, doesn't bother me. Yeah. I, I would say with, with, with Framber, I, I think he is who he's been so far. Right. Uh, I'm looking at yeah. his fan graphs page right now. So he's at, yeah, he's at a 1.80 ERA, but uh, right at a three um, FIP, you know, fielding independent pitching, um, that's directly in line with where he was last year um, over a full season. I think this is who he is. I, and I agree with you. He's, uh, you know, I think he's, so completely. Say so, again. You know, three fit fielding independent pitching for, for people that aren't as versed in numbers. Basically what that means is you strip out defense and you take the walks and you take the home runs and you take the strikeouts and, and that's more predictive than what your actual ERA is. You know, I think one day we should have a, a talk about FIP, and there's some interesting things I've noticed about the Astros pitching the last five to ten years. Uh, we don't need to necessarily get into that, but just suffice it to say that's a pretty good barometer or a pretty pr good predictor of what's going forward. And I think three ERA pitching 210 innings in the modern game is, you know, I mean, that, that's great. That's ace, right? Oh, yeah. So we agree. Fr Framer's an ace. Maybe not, you know, an ace in the sense of, DeGrom when he's on or JV that's going to be the guy that you know wins 23 games and is is just dominates but he's gonna he's gonna give you a quality start every time out he's gonna keep you in the game he's gonna pile up the innings and and you're gonna feel like you're gonna win a lot of games when he goes out to the mound agreed yeah he's at he's at nine strikeouts per nine innings so a strikeout an inning which is right where he was over 200 innings last year He's at uh, a, a hair under three walks per nine innings, which is exactly where he was over 200 innings last year. So, yep, he's he's looking like the same guy. Okay. So one one for one right now, right? We, we agree one for one. Our pitching staff is great. Um, let's go with uh, – let's go with a, a – not a Brayu. Uh, let's go with Javier. Mm -hmm. um, you want to give his stats? You got that up? I've got it. Yeah, Javier uh, to date – thrown 22 innings 7.77 strikeouts per nine which is down considerably from uh about 11 and a half over the last two seasons i didn't know i didn't know it was that bad and that's that kind of you know you're gonna get to the rest of the stats and i think we're both gonna say that 
We expect him to be better going forward. His velocity was way down the first two stats, right? I don't starts. I don't know if it was WBC. I don't know if it was kind of the herky jerky, but he got his velo back um, yesterday and or, or his last start, and he was really good again, right? He was the same guy that we're used to seeing. Had his punch outs back up, and, you know, got the win, pitched really well, and and that's the guy I think we expect to see going forward. I guess what I would say on him is. You know, if he throws that high riding fastball at 95, it's a real problem. People can't hit him. Yeah. If he throws it at 92, it just doesn't have enough height and enough carry to miss a bunch of bats. And, you know, so are we going to get 92 or are we going to get 95? He's throwing 95. I'm, you know, a lot of guys take a little while to work into it. Um, last year and the year before, he pitched out of the bullpen a lot. He didn't start, you know, the year as a starter. Um, they kind of warmed him up into it. So hopefully this is just kind of like his first time doing this and getting ready to be a starter and, and, you know, a little bit of silliness with the, not silliness, but a little bit of off schedule with the world baseball classic. And, and hopefully the guy we saw in the last time around is, is the guy he is. Cause that strikeouts per nine innings number is, is very alarming. It is. And, and it's, it's too early, right. To really understand any of this. In, in, a, in any kind of definitive way i'm looking at other a few other things contact rate against him is is a tick up from last last year he was right at 72 percent uh it's at 75 percent right now is that a real difference in 22 innings probably not um that's probably that's that's probably the same thing uh, again i think it's 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 too early to tell with a lot of these kind of uh uh, contact rates and things like that. But yeah, the strikeout rate, um, I, you know, I, I think, I think still very early to, to tell anything from, from there, but, um, something to keep an eye on if you had to, you know, if I had to tell you right now, you know, better, better than last, better than expected, the same as expected or worse than expected. I I'd still go with, you know, he'll, he'll end up being about what we expected. Um, and he'll be better than he's been so far, right? If, if he's what yeah. we expected, then that means he'll be better than we what he's been so far. I guess I would, uh, you know, totally and completely agree if you tell me that he's going to average 95 or 96 on his fastball. I've got no concerns with him. If you tell me he's got going to average 92, eh, I don't know that we'll get much better than we've had right now. So I, I think that's one yeah. thing to keep an eye on with him. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so the third pitcher, Hunter Brown, better than you expected? Or I'm sorry, I'm saying this wrong. Is he going to be better in the future than he's been? Is he going to be about the same, or is he due for some negative regression? So I guess tell, take us through his stats. Gabe, he's at a 1.93 ERA in 18 and two thirds innings so far. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna say that's going to increase um, sure. what's his fit over time fit 2.78 which tells us right that it's it, there's nothing fluky right so far about about what's happened eight eight point two strikeouts per nine so almost at one an inning uh walks are almost at three per nine um so that's tolerable right i mean the, it the, is the, the problem with with brown you know why a lot of guys why, why he wasn't a big time prospect and i I think everyone was wrong on this. Um, I was pounding the table that this guy should be on the top 50 prospect list. Um, you know, but a lot of people had him targeted for the bullpen. They just did mm -hmm. not think he could control the strike zone enough. No one doubted his stuff, right? Um, so, you know, I mean, if he can get through on three walks, 
per nine innings, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be just fine. That's going to play very well. And I think that 2.8 FIP or whatever that you had him in, you know, I think that's probably reasonable. I think he probably has an ERA, you know, finishes the year right around three, just like Framber, um, just like, just like uh, Javier. I think that's, that's going to be three aces, maybe not like, you know, top five or anything like that. But I, I bet you that's three of the top 20 starters in the American League that we're talking about. I could see it. Um, I'm You're still, still not there on Brown yet, are you? That's okay. I'm not there on Brown this year. I'm not there on on expected consistency out of a rookie. I'm I'm thinking, and I've said this too, that you know Verlander gives you a 1.75 ERA last year over 175 innings, right? Yep. That's a that 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 is about 20 games. Uh, of holding the opponent, uh, you know, under two runs. Tell me a three and a half ERA over that many things for a rookie. I, I would take that in a heartbeat. And I, I and... think he's going to do better than that. I'll bet you he does less on the innings. So what I'll say is, yes, I'll, I'll say ERA around three, not three and a half. And I'll say more like 140 or 150 innings. Cause here's the thing, you know, he's 23. This is his first taste of the big leagues. They need him in the playoffs, I think, unless McCullers just comes back and he's awesome. Um, and even if he does, they still will want him in the playoffs, right? They will, um, if he's cruising along, they will invent an injury. They will skip him. They will go to a six-man rotation. They will do whatever they can to keep him below 150 innings before the playoffs. That's my prediction. This is one of the reasons I wanted to uh, uh, add to the rotation depth in the offseason. Uh, because, again, he's, you know, all five of these guys are not going to make, you know, 30 starts a, a piece in all likelihood. Right. So, so that's, you know, that, that, that takes you to, you know, we're going to get more than we got out of Lance last year, I believe. Um, you know, apparently his throwing is progressing well. He's going to be throwing breaking balls off the mound. Um, Pretty soon he's long tossing. So, you know, I think um, I think that's that's something I think last year he gave us like eight or nine starts or something like that. I've got Lance penciled in for 15 or 20. Um, and I've got Forrest Whitley penciled in for eight or 10. And we're going to talk about him later. I know you There's do. Whitley. Maybe Forrest Whitley's mom or dad are a bigger Forrest Whitley fan than, than them. Other than that, I've got more Forrest Whitley stock than anyone. But, you know, we're starting to see some stuff that's really, really enticing. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. I don't want to overshoot. All right. Okay, so the other two guys in the rotation, and we're not going to do this on every single pitcher in the bullpen or anything like that, no. but just kind of the rotation. Um, Urquidy, where's he at? As of this recording, he is at an ERA of 3.66 over 19 and two-thirds innings. Mm -hmm. um, his strikeouts per nine is at 7.8. His career, uh, it's right in line, his career 7.4. Uh, his walks are up above three right now. Again, this is over 20 innings, but that's kind of his calling card, right? Is he doesn't, is, is his c control. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. His first career, he's under two walks per nine. He's currently at 3.2. So that's up a tick, but um, ERA is outperforming his FIP. That is kind By of a story lot, right? on him. Uh, that's not unusual for him. Um, so, you know, the reason for that is tell me about his home runs. How many home runs has he given up? 
feels like four or five. Um, yeah, four. Okay. So, you know, he's given up two home runs per nine innings, right? Mm -hmm. That's always going to be a high fit. You know, JV, JV decided that he could give up a home run every every single start, seemingly, but it was always a solo shot, right? Because he never let anyone yep. get on base to be a walk and very few hits, right? I mean, yep. I think three years ago or whatever is his last Cy Young, not the 22 Cy Young, but like the 19 one. I think he gave up like 27 home runs and 25 like solo because just no one was ever on base, right? Yep. Urquidy gets hit hard when they hit him. They hit him hard. So he's got to keep the walks off. But I think that's why his FIP is always higher than his actual ERA is. Yep. Um, you know, he, he does a good job of limiting limiting the free passes. I mean, he's not um, a big strikeout strike, guy. I mean, that doesn't strike out a ton of people. Yeah. Which, yeah. By the way, is it kind of funny now the modern game? You just told me he struck out seven point seven per nine, <laughs> and we just both said he doesn't strike out a lot. Like, yep. In nineteen ninety, when we were watching the Astros, you know, Pete Harnish or something like that, you know, that guy was like, you know, probably striking out four and a half or five, and if you're striking out almost eight per nine innings, you were you were a big strikeout guy, right? And yeah, that absolutely. was pitching against the pitcher. And a shortstop that was going to hit two twelve, and you know probably someone else that was in there for for nothing but defense, right? So I mean that it, it's sort of amazing how much the game has changed in that respect, right? That we totally say seven point seven is yeah, he doesn't really have strikeout stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's approaching one per inning, which used to be kind of the the barometer of you know. That like, was Nolan Ryan, right? Nolan Ryan was like nine point nine. Oh yeah, yeah. Nine innings, you know, for sure. It is a different different approach across the board, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, with Urquidy, I think he is who he is at this point. I, you know, that you, I agree completely. I'm going to I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to tell me if you're surprised by this. Um, he is in his. Um, We'll call it his third full season because it, he made seven starts in 19 and five yep. starts in 2020. But even if you include those in any season that he's pitched in, he has never had an ERA over four. Um, he's been in the threes. And has he ever had an ERA lower than three and a half? At two, seven, three in the, in the COVID season, but that okay. was across, you know, 30 innings. Um, but he was at three, six, two in 21. I mean, you know, three nine four last year, three six six right now. I think this is more or less who he is. Um, you know, I don't. So I, one thing I'll say: offensive environment is up this year with the rule mm -hmm. changes. Mm -hmm. I would expect him to have an ERA instead of three and a half to four. I would expect him to have an ERA between four and four and a half this year, um, which will be a little worse than he is right now, but it'll overperform his FIP again. Um, do we agree that 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 Urquidy's just sort of the definition of an average pitcher? Yes, I think he's a he is your average back of the rotation major league starter. Yes, I you know I would I would push back a little bit about that. I would say he's average, average, not average. Like I'd say he's like the median pitcher. Okay, not like a like number three of a, of a fifth starter. I'd say he's like you know if there's uh, 150 starters in the league, 30 teams times five starters. I'll bet you he's like somewhere between number 70 and 80, right? In terms of quality. Uh, I, There's a I, lot of really bad pitchers on the bottom <laughs> of the teams. Yeah. You know? I'd buy that. I mean, yeah, I, I like him actually. Um, and we'll get into some of this more too. I don't pitcher war. I don't know. I don't love, I don't love that. I don't like metric. it at all. 
Um, yeah, he doesn't, he is not well regarded by pitcher war. Um, but I don't put a ton of stock into that either. So I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, he's look to me, maybe this is kind of a rudimentary sort of threshold, but if, 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 if a guy is throwing, you know, over 150 innings and his ERA is under four. Yeah, no doubt. And then, so, you know, the fifth guy in the rotation is, is Garcia. He's been just an absolute train wreck. I'll let you dive into the numbers there. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, three starts. He has uh, managed 14 innings and in three starts. Strikeouts are good, uh, up near 10. So he's over one per inning. Uh, walks, not good. He's at four and a half per nine. So a walk every other inning. That is way up from his career norm. Um, he was at 2.7 last year, 2.9 and 21. So uh, walks are way up. That's not not a good thing for him, right? Uh, ER is at 7.71. That's <laughs> uh, obviously high. His FIP is down in the fives. So, uh, so there's that. Um, I'll say this. Garcia is one of the reasons I was a little less optimistic even before the season started. I, I don't know. I can't put a finger on why he's been good the last two years. No doubt. I, for some reason, I don't always have a lot of confidence in him, but in fairness, I will say this, the, the BABIP against so uh, batting average on balls in play against him so far is at 381. That will come down, right? That's just that, that, you or I could be pitching and we wouldn't give up a 383 Babbitt. I, I mean, <laughs> right. like the batting average on balls in play is not really about the pitcher so much. It's, it's right. You know, I, I mean, you just, it's that thing lives around 300, right. And, and yep. it always does. And there's just not many guys that perform much better than that. There's not many guys that perform much worse than that, because for all you're seeing eye singles, you got the Adam ball and, and, you know, these guys are so good defensively, especially on the Astros. You know, the Astros calling card has been defense. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, why all those guys have outperformed their fit for so much is, you know, there's a lot of guys that catch the ball really well on this team, or at least once upon a time there was. I guess we'll we'll sort of see if that's still the case this year, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it it, it is a, to your point, it is a, a, a gross metric, right? Or it's a blunt uh, kind of metric to look at, but I do think a 381 Babbitt against tells you that there's a little bit of bad luck, uh, probably involved so far. So we'll see. I, you know, I don't, I obviously, I don't think Garcia is this bad. I mean, I, you know, he's, he's not going to have a, an ERA over five over, you know, that many starts, but I do think, um, you know, I, I do have a little bit of concern about him. Again, the walks are way up we're still a long ways from that, you know, being a meaningful indicator, I think, but we're not that far. Right. And, and so um, I have a little concern with him. What do you think? You know, he was pretty good in spring training and I thought he was maybe getting ready to have a, a sort of a breakout year. You know, he's been a little above average and I thought maybe he might move to good. And when I think of good, I think of like maybe what Lance McCullers it you know sort of has given you post arm injuries or maybe like Colin McHugh a guy like that when he was you know right behind Dallas Keuchel and no one was going to put him on an all-star team but you know he was going out there and throwing Mm -hmm. a bunch of quality starts and you know I was thinking that he might kind of become 
sort of that kind of guy instead of, you know, average. I, I, I thought maybe he had good in him. And he came out with spring training and pitched really well, and he got rid of that stupid rock the baby um, wind up with the with the new rules. And, um, you know, I had, I had high hopes for him and been really disappointed so far in what that's looked like, obviously. But he was awesome. He was awesome today. Seven innings pitched, two hits, uh, season high in strikeouts. Um, I think he only walked one guy. He only had three guys on base. I mean, he he was great. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, maybe, maybe I, he looked like, good. I thought he looked good in the World Baseball Classic too. Yeah. I mean, I, I agreed. Like that. That's a great sign tonight. I think he's. You know, he's not. He he didn't forget how to pitch overnight unless there's an injury or something. But there doesn't seem to be any indication of that. And then you know you've got a little bit more uh, evidence from from tonight's start that he's. Uh, he hasn't completely fallen apart, right? So, so I mean, we just talked through all the starters, and we got two aces that you agreed with. We got a guy that's pitching like an ace, that's a rookie, and then we got a guy that you you think we can count on to be average. And we got a that's been average and has been average for three years, right? And we got a guy that's just been absolutely awful that we think will be an average pitcher, right? I mean, like that to me, that adds up to a team that's you know like. 100 wins is not outside of the realm of possibility if you play good offense and you play good defense behind them and support them with a pretty good bullpen. I mean, I think this rotation is, you know, even if you don't get anything out of Lance, um, and I think you'll get something, you know, I mean, I, I think if they stay healthy, this is a top five or six rotation in, in, in the majors. I've, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. It has been, right? And I think it can be. Again, you know, my my – concerns are uh, uh brown being a rookie and 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 just consistency issues um sure. and then uh, but uh, but agreed that the talent is there uh the makeup seems to be there right um you know he he he's he he should be uh you know a, a good a good starter i don't i don't know that i'm i'm ready to Again, I I don't know how many innings he's going to throw. To your point earlier, you know, he's um, are are they going to limit that, or um, is he going to hit a wall? Uh, like you said, he he he's worked a lot out of the bullpen the last couple of years, so there's a concern there. But but yes, I mean overall, agree with your point. I would say maybe a top six or seven rotation. Uh, again, I am a little concerned about a lack of depth. Um, because until McCullers is back and shows us something, you know, who would, who would be a fill-in starter at this point? Um, Blanco maybe. Yeah. Belak, you know, in the minors, I, I guess he's probably is the he guy. still around? Wow. What's that? Is he still around? I think so. Um, I guess maybe I should have paid a little bit more attention when I was doing my minors recap that we'll, we'll get to earlier. I, you know, he's just the guy that I think of as, you know, he's just like replacement-ish. And, and I don't care, like, my eighth starter in my organization, I'm not worried about. If the eighth starter is playing a, a really pivotal role for you during the course of the year, it's just not your year. And, I mean, you know, a lot of times people talk about, oh, they used 11 starters or 12 starters, but a lot of times that's BS, right? Like, I want to know how many starts I'm getting out of my top four or my top five guys, right? And if I get 120 or 130 starts out of my top five, I don't care where the other 30 come from, as long as it's someone that can sort of hold it together and do something incredible. So if you want to rotate in 
you know, Blanco and Belak, and and you know, maybe they'll get a little lucky and we'll catch some some uh, 15 wins around Robertson luck there with them. You know, the the guy that had a five ERA when the Astros were a good hitting team, you know, and they just wore their hitting shoes every time Jerome uh, pitched, which I think that guy died at like 35 or something. Um, if not him, someone else would hate to put that on him. But, you know, I mean, you just, you, you trot through the organizational depth, depth 20 or 25 times and you figure, Hey, maybe we're going to go 10 and 15. We can, we can live with that. Because if, if you're counting on that eight starter, you know, you just everything else went so horribly wrong that um, it's just not your year is is what I would say. That's I, that's true. And look, we're in the we're in the age of bullpen games. Right. Uh, I, and the Astros have dabbled in that a little bit uh, here and there the last few years. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you're maybe talking me off the ledge a little bit uh, as far as the pitching goes. Well, um, so we only talked about half the pitching, though. The other yeah, half that's... is the bullpen. I mean, like, you know, I, we, we're not going to go over this line by line, but Abreu's been awesome, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And do we think is the best pitcher in the bullpen? I I do. I I think it's I think it's pretty clear. I mean, they're not going to move him to closer. Um, they gave you know they gave uh, America's closer a bunch of money, Ryan Presley and Ryan Presley's been, been good. He's been fine. He's been, you know, okay. I would say he's been less than great. Um, I think his save percentage is about 85%, about 90%. The, the truly elite guys, you know, the top three to five closers are, are sort of 95%. And then there's a whole bunch of guys that save somewhere between 85 and 90% of their games. And, mm-hmm. and that's Presley and, you know, he'll, he's going to, you know, come in and he's going to give it up four or five times and he's going to save 35 games, right? I, I think, you know, it just so happens that he's already given up twice this year. Yep. Um, Abreu, he's only given up one run, man, but it was a big run. He gave up that home run on opening day yep. and that turned what could have been a win into, into a loss, right? You know, you're, you're not going to expect perfection. It's just really unlucky that he happened to give up you know, that run at that point in time, um, you know, Stanek has been, you know, he had a one ERA last year. He's got five ERA this year. He's probably halfway in between. I don't like talking about bullpen guys ERAs because they're so, you know, such a small sample size. Small but, samples, yeah. But, you know, I mean, we had we had four lockdown pitchers that we relied on in the playoffs last year, right? Neris, Montero, Presley, and Abreu. And Abreu is the only one of the four that's been as good as he was last year so far, I would say. Yeah. Am I saying Montero short? I mean, has Montero been – he was bad today, okay? He gave up a run without – he gave up a run and loaded the bases in the eighth inning of a 2-0 game um, and just tried to set fire to the game. And then um, Abreu came in and shut him down, got down – got Springer – Bichette and Guerrero, one, two, three, with the bases loaded to preserve the one-run lead. And then we played add-on, and your boy Jeremy Pena hit a three-run homer, and uh, Abreu got a two-run single. And, you know, we left that inning 8-2, and it looks like a really comfortable game, but it was anything but, right? I mean, Montero was just playing with matches there. Um, And then, you know, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened at 2-1 to because I don't think anyone was breathing real comfortably with Presley coming in against four, five, six for Toronto in a one-run game, right? That like that doesn't feel automatic 
this year so far, does it? No, it it, it doesn't. Um, but I'm with you. It's it's really tough to make any sense out of uh, bullpen trends. I don't even know if you could call them trends yet for any of those guys. It's such a small handful of innings, and you know, is there, it, anyone, it, that we, is there anyone that's been a present surprise this year in the bullpen? I don't think so. Well, no. I mean, they were they set the bar so high last year, um, really from start to finish, and then of course in the you know in the postseason that I think there was an assumption that you know holy hell you can just keep pumping these guys out and 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 they're all dominant uh, because they were for <laughs> yeah at the right time last year, uh, but even throughout the season last year they did. So I think we you know, most of the same cast is back. I think we had a, an idea that, you know, they'll continue to be dominant or an assumption, I guess. But then when you really think about it, you know, you know, that, uh, you know, bullpens are notoriously, uh, um, inconsistent from year to year that, you know, they're not always the, uh, the say, although, you know, the, the bullpen as a whole and individual relief pitchers can be, uh, can be volatile from year to year. So I, I you know, our bullpen needs to be really good because we're we're only spending 200 million. You know the tax the the tax line is 230 million. I think we're both very very disappointed in ownership leaving 30 million unspent on the table right now. Right. Mm-hmm. We got Presley making 16 million. You got Montero making 12, and you got Naris making eight. I mean that's your your top your three highest paid relievers are pulling down. Um, you know, 32, 33, 35 million. That's a big chunk of, you know, a $200 million payroll. And then, you know, none of those are even your best reliever, right? Your best reliever is Abreu, I think we just talked about. Yeah. You know, so those guys have to, those guys have to earn their money and they have to just shorten that game. You know, if you got four arms that good back there, then that means in the modern game, all you need is five innings, right? And when you're talking about, you know, trying to keep innings off Hunter Brown, when you're talking about trying to keep innings off Lance McCullers Jr., when you're talking about as inefficient as Javier is with his pitches, then, you know, the the a lot of nights you're going to want to see your starters go uh, five five innings and give up two runs, right? And then you hand the ball off like a, like a relay race, right? You know, six, seven, eight, nine, and you got that taken care of, and, and those guys give up you know, no runs or one run and you keep that, that game to two or three runs and you're going to win that game. Even if you don't get, you know, that length out of your starter and it's, that's not how it's played out this year. Right. No, nope. I mean, and, and I don't know if you're going to be able to count on that. And, you know, then you got guys like Seth Martinez, who was really good last year, by the way. Right. Yeah. And then this year he, he just hasn't been. And, and, Stanek was a little lucky, but he was pretty good last year, even if he was a little lucky and and he looks like, you know, he's off a little bit. So I, I don't know how much of this is just bullpen is, is a crapshoot versus how much they'll get better. Um, I think Abreu will be, uh, you know, I think Abreu will be awesome. And I think, you know, Presley and, and uh, Neris will be good. And I think, you know, I hope Montero is good. And the rest of the guys, like, I'm going to give a big shoulder shrug. I have no idea what to expect so far. So, so you know, I, I think we've probably been okay with talking about, you know, our pitching staff. Our pitching, our ERA plus is 124. It means our ERA has been 24% better than league average. As, as an entire staff. As an entire staff. And, and to me, intuitively, that seems about right. 
And I think that that that's where we'll end. I think, you know, maybe you'll get some some regression from Brown or less innings and stuff like that. But then again, kind of like Presley's going to pitch better, right? He's not, you know, Garcia's not going to be as bad as he is. And, and you know, I, I bet you this is a team that ends up 20 or 25% above average for the league as a staff, right? And, you know, that's where we're at right now. And, and that's where we'll go. And, and you know what? Teams do not finish under 500 that have ERAs 25% that ERA plus of 125. That just doesn't happen, right? Maybe, maybe over two or three weeks, but um, you know, you just, you keep pitching like that, which I don't think we're pitching over our head and you're going to win a lot of games. That's the, that's the bottom line on the pitching, I think. Agreed. Um, Which leads us to um, some of the hitters. This Uh, is, uh, this is ugly. I mean, I think, you know, let's let's go rapid fire on this, and maybe we can talk a little bit yeah. more about this next time. Um, we'll we'll sure. talk a little bit more about hitting, and hopefully they're they're better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, give me one word that pops in your head from Dubon. Well, Dubon, that's a that's a great place to start. Dubon has uh, has performed well. The the outcomes have been good. Um, to no, date. you're not one to do that. It's one word conceit, are you? <laughs> What's the you first say word one word. I can't mind. do one word. I'm not. No, no, I'm not. That, I'm not that succinct. Uh, pleasant surprise for sure with Dubon. I mean, he's, yeah. he's he shouldn't be an everyday player, but out of necessity, you know, I don't mind the guy. I, I like the guy as a as a as a versatile defensive player who can fill in. You know, obviously he was never intended to be an everyday guy. Uh, has been thrust into that, and look, I mean, the outcomes are the outcomes, and we can you know, we can all acknowledge that he's not a 350 hitter or whatever he's at right now, but um, you know what? He really only needs to be outperforming his, uh, uh, his ex- kind of his expected norms while Altuve's out. Right. So like, this is the yeah. time to be doing it. So there is value there for sure. I, you know, I, I, I would say fools, you know, pleasant surprise is fair. I, I'll be a little bit more negative. I'll say fool's gold. Um, he got sure. hot for a week and a half. He hit some soft line drives in front of people. His his um his quality of contact is is getting lower by the day. He's still getting hits. Um, we used to joke around that Tony Eusebio got all his hits like with a rolled up newspaper over the second baseman's head. You know that soft lo- looping line drive that that's a lot of what Dubon says to look like. He he hit a couple ball, balls hard. Harder than he has all year, but he hasn't hit most of them hard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and you know, I think that him, you know, Dusty was never afraid to play Dubon in the first place, right? Um, but I think you know that this hot streak at the beginning of the year means Dubon's in the lineup every single day until Altuve gets back, and then God forbid, you know, Chaz has a hangnail or something like that, then that means Dubon's going to start, you know, ten games in a row at center field. Um, or maybe he becomes Hunter Brown's personal center fielder, valet, or something like. Who knows? Um, but but yeah, I mean, pleasantly surprised is fair. I you know, fool's gold is what I'm going to go with, and and that sort of tells you where I think the next month is going with him. I have no illusions that Dubon is going to uh, do anything close to keeping this pace up. So I'm I, I'm with you on the the fool's gold. You know, I don't. I, I don't disagree. Um, I'm looking at some of his batted ball data. So we talked about this a little bit that, um, you know, 
there are a few offensive stats that, uh, you know, you could say uh, are, are meaningful in the sense that they are reliable indicators of, of what a guy's really done so far. They're not predictive per se, but um, strikeout rate tends to, to kind of reach its, its level of re- reliability at 60 plate appearances. So these guys um, are already hitting that, right? One thing that Bond not, does not well, Yanni or not Yanni Diaz. He, he's not he, he, <laughs> nor has Chaz. So <laughs> they haven't they haven't hit that yet. Uh uh Dubon, the one thing he's really excellent at is making contact. He doesn't strike out. So there is that. He does not make hard contact. He has barreled up no balls so far per baseball Zero. stat cast as zero. So, so you know what, you know what, guys that never strike out a lot. And don't make hard contact do a lot. Well, hitting the double plays. plays. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, at least he's kind of fast, but he's he's not even that fast. But no. uh, Okay, so Dubon, you know, let's just to be clear though, he is not the problem with the offense, right? I I, I mean, he he's you know he's representative of you know replacing Altuve with him in some of the struggles that we've had, but he's done his job, right? He's he's earned his his spot on the roster so far. He has, uh, you know, he came in today with a, what a three thirty eight on base percentage. I'll take that from him. Yep. You know, <laughs> however I can get it. Like if he so, could do that for another six weeks, that'd be great. But I don't oh think, gosh, I hadn't even conceptualized it this way, but I'm just thinking out loud. I started with him because he's leading off now, but I was thinking, let's just go around the, the infield. Yeah. And then, Oh, woof. I mean, you got Maldonado at catcher. I mean, mm. he's talking about guys that start their start their deal on the dirt, right? They're offensively. You got Maldonado at catcher. You got Abreu at first. You got Dubon at second. You got Pena at short, and you got Bregman at third. Can we say that every single one of those guys has been either much worse than expected or just absolutely as terrible as expected in the case of Maldonado? <laughs> I was gonna say with with Maldonado. You know, he's not underperforming what I would have expected. So that, no. that's positive, right? <laughs> he, he's, but he's been – you're expecting him to be one of the worst offensive players in baseball, right? And, I sure and he am. has been that. He has been. Um, um, yeah, I, I'd say – I'd say my my biggest disappointment so far has been Pena. Uh, and, and part of it is that – you know, he was a very he, he was basically the definition of an average hitter last year. If you consider his, I think his oh, yeah. his his uh, uh, weighted runs created plus metric so, was so what right he at hundred. He did a poor job of getting on base. He did yep. an above average job of slugging, and it all added up to an average player. Yeah, that that's offensively um, and while playing Gold Glove shortstop, right? I mean that's a very valuable player, especially absolutely, when you're him absolutely six hundred thousand. But but yeah, he was average offensively his rookie year. Yes, exactly. And then he won, and then he won the league championship MVP, which I kind of didn't think he should have won. And then he won the World Series MVP, which I kind of, you know, I would have gone with maybe Bregman, Bregman in the league championship, but Framber for sure. I mean, Framber, Framber just shoved mm. twice. But he was look, he was a fair choice. Um, he was he was representative. He, he wasn't. Um, Carlos Beltran in the playoffs hot in 2004, yeah. but he was, he was very, very good. Right. He was very, good. I think a lot of people thought, Oh, he had a solid rookie year. And then he's the league championship MVP and the world series MVP. Like let's look for him to be 
Carlos Correa like on offense. And he just, you know, and instead of taking a step forward, you know, he's become um, Ricky Gutierrez like. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, Ricky Gutierrez was. Uh, I remember him. I, he was. He was fine. Uh, he, he was fine offensively, right? I mean, he was, you know, Pena's got, he had an OPS plus of 80%, right? Going into today, he did hit a home run. That puts him 20% below league average. And it's a little early for that stat to matter, right? But, but it's it tells early. you what he's done so far. It's early. Here's my concern with him is, you know, I, I remember when they drafted him and he was a glove first shortstop that was not much of a hitter, even the college level, right? He was not a dominant offensive player, wasn't ever expected to be, and kind of built himself into that. And then, you know, last year, I think, you know, he feels like he, I don't have the numbers in front of me, feels like he went through a bit of a stretch in the middle part part of the season that, uh, where he struggled pretty mightily and then turned it around a little bit towards the end and obviously carried that over into the playoffs. I think coming out of that, between the performance in the postseason and kind of the uptick in performance as the season, you know, uh, kind of uh, got into August, September, I think there was a bit of a, a maybe an unrealistic expectation that he was going to now with, you know, a year of big league at, at bats under his uh, under his wing, he's, you know, he's going to make a, he's going to continue this kind of ascent or this progress that we saw through the upper levels of the minors uh, and that he would just keep, keep going up, not happening so far again, way too early to say anything definitively. He's not walking, you know, any more than he did last year. And I think his plate discipline is, is kind of the driver of his inconsistencies and his struggles. Right. I mean, he, Strikes out eh, a tick under a quarter of the time, which is which is okay, right? Like if, with, with the power that he has. Um, but if, if you're going to strike out that right? much. If you take some walks, it's fine. So here's right. the reason a, a lot of guys that strike out a lot have some swing and miss to their game or they watch a lot of pitches go by, right? I, mm-hmm. So a, a lot of times that also leads to more walks, right? More selective hitter or, you know, just swinging and missing means you're not making contact, right? It means the at-bat is not ending. So it also means guys walk a lot more. A lot of times, you know, your strikeouts and your walks come together and your three true outcomes, right? Yep. But he's not he's not adding that in, right? Um, and and so, you know, he 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 needs to figure out a way to get on base that's that's not that's not a hit, you know. I, and without can I argue two sides of this though for Pena? Can I argue the optimist case and the pessimist case really quickly? Yeah. So, you know, you talked about he wasn't much of a hitter in college. He, you know, the guy's from, like, Rhode Island or something like Maine, that. Maine, I believe. I, yeah, University He went of to the Maine. University of Maine. But I think he went to high school in, like, Rhode Island or oh, something Oh, gotcha. Like and then, yeah. And then he went to the University of Maine for, for um, you know, those guys are, are hitting inside and they're bailing snow out, you know, when their season goes. It's just it, – it's sort of ridiculous to, to see that. We saw George Springer – um, went to UConn, you know, same sort of deal, right? Um, from from sort of the the New England area, those guys develop late a lot of times, right? That they, they, you know, they don't they're, they're not like us living in the Sun Belt where they're outside 340 days a year, right? Uh, my my best friend is a uh, is a coach. Uh, he's the head coach at Georgia State, right? 
um, when we were in California together, he was a, he was a Jack. And then his family moved to uh, Wisconsin, upper Wisconsin. And then he was like one of the best players in the state. Right. Uh, there's just a there's just a difference when you're when you're inside all the time versus when you're outside playing baseball. So, you know, hopefully maybe he's a late developer because he's from the cold and and, and that. So, so the negative side, though, the pessimist case is he was 25 last year as a rookie. Yeah, he's 26 right now. Carlos Correa is two. He's got the same birthday as Carlos Correa. Carlos is two years older than him. Carlos has been around seemingly forever, right? And and Pena is in the second year. You know, most guys that become stars, they're up by the time they're 22, 23. You know, I mean, debuting at 25 is not the path to greatness. Let's just say, right? And there's COVID involved, and, and and that's not his fault necessarily. But you're not talking about like a precocious guy who's going to get a lot better. Typically, as a ball player, who you are at 27 is about as good as you're ever going to be, right? And yeah. somewhere from 26 to 30 is is sort of your your prime with 27 or 28 being your absolute apex. And he's coming into that sort of a prime, but he started as a rookie already, sort of in his prime, right? And so, you know, you've got those two factors and and maybe he's going to be a late bloomer, but hey, you know, he's already kind of a late bloomer, right? So, you know, I, I don't know where this goes. I don't know if you, you if you project stardom for him, right? I don't think so. And that's okay. I mean, he does not need to be a, a star, right? Um, but, but he kind of does if you don't have Altuve. Well, if right. I mean, if, in the, if in you're going to deal with Maldonado being as bad as he is, if you're going to, if if you're going to give non-competitive at bats from from your third baseman and your first baseman who are hitting in the middle of the lineup, you know, then then Pena needs to be a star, and um, you know he's he's not he's not doing anything to help the cause. Well, he can't be a black hole in the lineup, right? And and I guess I would say yes to everything you said. Agreed. And I'd add, you know, the case against—not a case against him. You know, nothing, nothing's been determined. But I think, I think again, what I would still hope for this season out of him is some offensive progress beyond a, you know, absolute average uh, hitter, right? And mixing a, mix a walk every twelve or fifteen at bat. Exactly. Right? I mean, it, you know, you have your guys like Javi Baez, right, and guys like that who have all the talent and, and just cannot get the plate discipline. And I'm not here to suggest that's easy to do, but, but, you know, but I, it goes a long way. If you can be a little more selective, his contact rates looks, look fine so far. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing that really sticks out that makes me think he's going to, you know, be, be considerably worse than last year. Um, again, we'll, we'll know more in the next few weeks as we, you know, we can pour over, you know, uh, how, how he's getting pitched and, and that sort of thing. If, uh, if, if he has adjustments to make, but, um, you know, I, I guess the, I guess the good news with Pena, he obviously he's, you know, he's athletic enough to make, you know, to make improvements. He's already made, you know, pretty, phenomenal kind of offensive improvements uh, as you described coming out of college to, to where he is now. So get the chase rate down a little bit, get the walk rate up a little bit and, you know, the power will come. Uh, I think so. And, you know, you hit that three run home run today and he got on base with a hit by pitch today, not a walk, but he, you know, I, I I didn't see it. So I don't know if he leaned into it, if he gave it the old Biggio deal or if he just came out of the way or, but, but yeah. So, I mean, you know, 
on base 40% of the time today and hit a, hit a home run. So, yeah, yeah that's, good, that's what we need from you, Jeremy. It's a good start. Um, uh, so we've both sort of lamented the, uh, the punting of the off season um, and we can get into that another time, but the, the big move they did make was bringing in a, a Brayu, right? Jose Brayu at first base uh, came over from the white Sox, where he'd been since 2014. Not great so far from a no, and this is a guy I'd wanted. I, this is a guy I'd been working up trade proposals for like five <laughs> years on. I mean, I wanted this guy. Dang. I knew he was getting old, but I thought three years for fifty-seven million or fifty-eight million. I thought it was a great deal. I thought it was a steal. You know, he was one of the first guys to sign, and then guys, you know, then the market went on tilt afterwards. You know, yeah. with 30, 31 year olds getting eleven-year contracts. I mean, like this guy got paid you know, a good money for a good middle of the order um, run producer. And, you know, I, I thought that's what he was going to be. And boy, it has not looked good right now. Right. No. Um, I'm going to give you some numbers. Um, average exit velocity is a metric that tends to stabilize at around 50 batted balls. He has 56 to date. Uh, his average exit velo is 87 miles per hour right now. For his career, it is 91.3. So that is so a, he. I, I don't think he hit a single ball over 100 until yesterday, and then he had 109 and 101. And like mm. he hit the ball hard three times yesterday, or hard-ish anyway. Three yeah, it looks like yesterday. 109 is his max so far. And if you're saying that was yesterday, that's good. that was yesterday. That's right. Good. Maybe he's uh, his barrel percentage, which uh, again, right around 50 batted ball events tends to stabilize. He's at 5.4%. His career average is 10%. So um, again, these are not it's predictive. Just, uh, it's it's yeah. a strikeout rate compared to normal. The strikeout rate. That's the other problem. The strikeout rate currently at 24%. For his career, he's at 19.7. So he's... Uh, uh, he's not in the ball in the air either. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's a problem, too. Not um, hitting it over the fence. He's not hitting it hard. He's, you know, not making as much contact. And, yeah, I mean, add it all up. And, you know, you've got something. He had, look, he had another good He had another good game today. He drove in a big two runs um, with two out base knock um, in the eighth inning to give us some, some breathing room. Um, before that, he had uh, one of the other hits. We, we'd only had three hits through seven innings and he had one of them. Um, so maybe he's sort of getting it together, but I, I tell you what, uh, I'm going to hold my breath until he hits one over the fence. Yeah. Cause I don't think he's done that yet. And, and last year he only had 18 and, you know, Larusa just lost his mind last year and, right. you know, decided to take baseball back to 1984 or something. I, I have no idea what he was doing, but you know, the, like, Hey, let's not try to hit the ball over the fence. Let's have a level swing. And, and you know, Abreu hit went from 35 home runs to 17 or something like that. But he hit the ball as hard as he always had. So I said, okay, like let's let's get away from clownish behavior from Larusa and whoever, you know, whatever drunk he picked up off of the. Uh, I, I say that because he always had drinking Dave Duncan as his pitching coach, right? So I'm going to assume any hitting coach that wants a Brayu to hit less home runs has the same malady as drinking Dave Duncan. Um, and Larissa also of the, of the DUI and falling asleep at a stoplight and stuff like that. So I just assume that anyone on that staff is, is 
probably similarly situated, especially when they got ideas that bad, right? Um, I you should know I will never pass up an opportunity to talk trash about Tony Larusa. Not in the past, not yeah. in the present, not in the future. I thought maybe that we get him out of that bizarre orbit and you know everything will go back to normal. But man, maybe uh maybe we were telling ourselves a story. I think he'll be okay. I mean, the, the, there's there's not really any, you know, some of that is just believing in uh, the 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 bigger population of of at bats and and batted balls from last year. I mean, he was top eight percent of the league in expected slugging last year. He was top three percent in hard hit percentage. I mean, he he's not going to fall off this much one. I mean, yes, he's thirty six though. I he mean, was thirty five you know. last year. You know, I mean, he's. I don't know, but I'd be surprised. He may not be as good as last year, but he's definitely better than what he's done so far. So one one read to hold on to, and hopefully this is not as slender as I'm afraid it might be. The last two years, he started very slowly. Mm. Um, And then he ended up just fine. Now, he's not a career slow starter like Alex Bregman. How's that for a transition? Um, (laughs) But... Yeah, and we're going to talk about him next. But you know, he's uh, he hadn't started well the last two years, and now make that three in a row. So uh, maybe uh, maybe he's getting a little older. It takes him a little warmer to uh, takes him a little longer to warm up and linger up, and he needs the sort of warm weather to get the uh, get the aches and pains out of his body or something like that. He was really good in spring training too. You know, yeah. I mean, he was he was really good in spring training, of course. I don't think Yuli ever had a better spring training than he did last year. He was awesome. And, and, yeah. you know, it was, it, we don't need to rehash what last year of Yuli's, you know, watching him play 150 games at first base and be, I mean, you know, 20% below league average was just, was hard. I think going into the year, we would have both agreed that Abreu was a huge upgrade over Yuli. Um, and yeah. That, and he hasn't been, he has not so been far. to date. But I, so far. I'm still pretty confident that by the end of the season it will have proved to uh, to have gone that way. Um, but yeah, Bregman, um, this is just who he is right now, right? I mean, we we have eight years of data, seven years of data, eight years of data that he can't hit worth a damn in April, and he's not much better in May, and then you know by August he's rip roaring ready to go and he ends the season you know 20 or 5 or 30 percent better than average right yeah um he is (laughs) entering this uh uh, entering today he was at exactly a 100 uh wrc plus right so he's exactly an average offensive player the thing with bregman is that he had to get a lot better to get there by the way that's because he's come on lately i mean he's come on he, he was around 50 or 60 for a while he is so far he's been exactly who he is it's it's been some bad luck you know he remains elite at kind of his plate discipline stats right like his his walk rates his strikeout rates elite year after year everything he's done so far this year is exactly more or less in line with his career numbers he's He's 88th percentile walk rate. He's 88th percentile strikeout rate. Uh, 97th percentile chase rate. He's a disciplined guy, right? He's he's kind of the, uh, you know, the the, the quintessential. You know, he's going to swing at strikes. He's not going to swing at balls uh, for the most part. So, 
you know, he, what's funny with Bregman, he had those seasons in 18 and 19 where he was up, you know, the power numbers were, were, were up and they were league wide too, but you know, he was, uh, he was tapping into his power more that I, I don't know that he's a, he's not a 40 home run guy that, that, that was a, that so was a bit much. That's a really important point there because Bregman, the balls were very lively in 18 and 19. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Bregman is not a guy that hits a lot of balls very far. Okay. Nope. He hits a lot of wall scrapers. Right. Yep. Um, or, you know, he bangs a ball off the, uh, he bangs a ball off the, the out of town scoreboard in left field and then it made right. Mm-hmm. Um, those balls were all going over the wall in 18 and 19. Yep. And, and, and they're not anymore with the, with the ball that's a little deader. I, not, 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 not like he's hitting none, but he's, you're right. He's not a 40 home run guy. That was, he was being, the, the juice ball was doing a lot of work for him, I think. And, you know, now he's, what, 20, 25, something like that. And I think that's probably his true sort of power level. I life. agree. I think it's fine. It's just, it's not an MVP. It's a borderline all-star, right? That's and right. He yeah. was an MVP in 18 and 19. He finished second and third, I think. And I thought he should have beat Trout out the year he came in second. I did too. Um, and Tr- Trout was better, but, you know, the Astros finished 25 games above them in the standings and Trout only played 125 games, right? And Bregman yeah. played – 155. So I would have probably given it to, to Bregman, even as good as Trout was. But, you know, I mean, top two top five finishes in the MVP in a row. Uh, that's not, I don't think that's him. I think he's the the guy that that's uh, on the precipice of being an all-star. That's right. I mean, he's, I think he's a solid all-star level player, right? Five win player most years uh, because he does, all those things well that we talk he gets on base i mean that's you know that's that that's the primary driver right he, he plays he, pretty good defense right i mean he, he's yep. got that he, his defensive numbers aren't great but they're they're you know not we could talk I, about I defensive know. metrics i don't i i think we still have a long way to go before i trust those too much i agree because he's got what you want from a third baseman he's got good reactions and he he plays the ball coming in, you know, for the hot corner. They don't call it that by accident. And he plays the ball well coming in, right? Uh, he plays the ball barehanded well coming in. And and he, you know, throws the ball to the – look, we don't win that – we don't win the World Series in 2017. Yep. You know, we don't even get there without that throw he makes, yep. you know, where he put oh. it in the mailbox-sized slot, you know, well – the game's going 98 miles an hour and, you know, God bless his arrogance. Oh yeah. Um, to even oh, yeah. think that he could pull that playoff um, and then to actually like nail it. Um, you know, he's, I, I couldn't want any more on a third baseman. No, he's, he, he's, he's very good. Um, and so far, you know, while the batting average hasn't been there again, I'm going to, I'm going to use the, um, the BABIP stat, because I think, again, it's blunt, but it is telling. He's at a 228 BABIP right now, which tells you there's some bad luck involved. He's hitting the ball just as hard as he ever has. He's walking as much as he ever has. He's striking out as as, as little as he ever has. I mean, all his, all his numbers, all his underlying data points are really in line with his, uh, with his career numbers. The funny thing with him, just looking at this, 2019 when he hit 40 home runs, Average exit velo was 89.3 miles an hour. Right now it's 88.4. I mean, it's, 
he's in that 88 to 89 range every season. He's he, and he, that's what I was talking about with yeah. the carry on the balls. Right. Know, that's right. Balls. And he's figured out how to how to adapt to his home ballpark, right? He pulls yep. all of his home runs. I mean, he's he's pulling them right down the left field line. So it's um uh, and that's to his credit because he doesn't he doesn't hit the ball particularly hard. He's usually right around, you know, average in terms of you know and when you talk about his swing discipline it's not just that he swings at strikes he lays off some strikes Mm -hmm. he swings at strikes in the inner hat in the inner third of the plate right because that's what he wants he's got this little box you look at his hot box you know and they got the nine boxes around the strike zone and he's like scalding hot on the one that's middle in right yep i mean that is the one that he just dominates that's where all his home runs come from if a pitcher thinks that they can throw that ball in the inner third, um, you know, between his between his thighs and his his you know waist, they're just they're they're gonna lose that baseball. Yep. Right. And and he doesn't he he doesn't swing at that ball in the outer third uh near as much, right? right? I, I think he didn't have a single he didn't have a single hit last year on the ball in the top right, okay? Um away and up. Like he, he he didn't have a single hit, you know. A guy like Altuve can get a hit anywhere in that strike zone, but you know Bregman, I think he was like zero for seven or something on that on that on that pitch. He just you know he doesn't mess with it. He doesn't swing at that. He he wants that ball middle in, and he wants to turn. He wants to yank it down the line and hit it in the the Crawford box at three hundred and seventy eight feet, right? Yeah, um, and and that's that's his home runs. He, he doesn't hit four hundred. He doesn't. You know, he's not like Carlos Correa or, you know, Jordan or someone like that that's going to go oppo in the, in the opposite field power alley, you know, and show you what a, what a stud they are. He's, he's going to yank him and, and he's going to yank him and lose that ball. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's hunting those, those pitches on the inner half uh that he can drive. So yeah, he, I mean, we're not, we're, we're not worried about Bregman at all. Right. I mean, he will, he will get a lot better. I mean, he gets a lot better. The Astros offense will be a lot better, right? I'm not worried about Alex Bregman at all. Okay. So, you know, we've got Dubon's overperforming, but when you consider the fact that he's replacing Altuve, he's underperforming, right? So, I mean, you've got literally everyone who starts the game on the dirt is underperforming. That's five of your nine guys, right? Yep. Um, it's hard to have a good offense when, when you know, you start out five of your nine guys are bad. Because the outfield's been really good, man. You know, uh, Tucker's playing like an MVP. Yes. Alvarez, like, he's actually been better than Alvarez. Alvarez has more RBIs, but if you look at the sort of stats, Tucker's been better than Alvarez. Yeah. And Chaz McCormick's got a 170 um, OPS plus, right? He's been 70% better than average. Uh, you know, that's, that's and Chaz is a, good. Chaz is a good player. We've talked about this. Chaz. I mean, he's not seventy percent better than. I mean, you know, he's not seventy percent better than average. No. but he's fifteen percent better than average. Twenty percent right. better than average. That's right. He 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 has, I guess, a little over a, a full season's worth of of games played, appearances now, uh, played appearances to for us to know who he is. And he you 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 hit it on the head. He's. 15% above league average offensively. He's capable defensively in center field. And he's a, you know what he is also? He's an all-star against left-handed pitchers. Yep. And he's, uh, he's a little below average against right-handed pitchers. 
And that's but that's okay. I mean, he's your center fielder. Like, yep. there are like, he's you know people act like we need to get better at center field. He's fine. He's the top ten center fielder going into the year, right? Yeah. And and he's overperforming that so far. Yeah, I it is a bit frustrating that he isn't given the benefit of the doubt still. Um, uh, and obviously he's on the IL now, but hopefully nothing serious and he's back in a week or so. Cause man, this lineup does not need uh, any more, <laughs> any, any more of these guys, you know, missing some big buyers, two good games in a row. Yeah. Hit a, hit a, well, two out of three, I guess hit a three run ding dong on Monday and got another hit mm-hmm. that sparked an inning. And then he had a uh, two out two run double. That was our only runs before the eighth inning. He just, wow. he, he knocked the crap out of the ball. He hit it 107 miles an hour to the right center field and missed a three-run home run by about a foot. The ball went off the top of the bullpen. Um, you know, the thing about Myers is he, he plays really good defense. Um, he, he has no arm now after that shoulder injury. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when he looked like he might be, you know, kind of special when he came up, he was hitting the ball opposite field. I mean, he was hitting – right center, big boy home runs, right? I mean, I, I I got really excited about him and I was ultimately wrong because, you know, he, had, he you see something and then you can't unsee it, right? And I mean, him hitting 400-foot home runs to right center field was was really impressive. But, you know, I don't know if, that, if he was never that guy or, you know, the injury took it out of him and the last year was off. But, um, you know, he's – He's in improvement mode, and and so far he hasn't. But you know he's going to have another ten days where he's going to play every day, um, which he has out at least. And and yep. so far so good. Um, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say he's back or anything like that. But I'm gonna cross my fingers because if you got anything approaching average offense out of him, yep. you know that would be very helpful um, with with Chaz being on because that's a big big step back. And and quite frankly. You just can't rely on Tucker. You can't rely on Tucker and Jordan. Jordan to be the entirety of the offense, right? I mean, you have to have. My my theory has always been that to win baseball games, you got to have four guys going pretty well you know, on offense, and to have four guys going pretty well, you better have seven that are capable of going pretty well, right? Yeah. And the problem is we've only got we we got two and a half, right? We got Jordan and. And Tucker going pretty well, and we got half of a Chaz because he's probably only played in half the games, right? And we got no one else that's sort of going well. And right. you know the problem with the roster construction with Altuve out is you only really have four, you, you don't have that six or seven guys. You got four or five that you feel like you can count on, and and with um, Abreu and, and Bregman being in the deep freeze, you know that's just it's it's not enough, and 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 you're seeing that, right? Yep. Yes, to, to all of that. Um, um, how many weeks are we away? I know we three talked weeks. about this earlier. Three weeks for what? Oh, I'm sorry. How many? I, we're three weeks in. What were you going to ask? Three me? weeks in. How, when is Altuve expected back? End of May. Three, one. Yeah. Okay. So we got five okay. weeks. We're talking about five more weeks. Um, okay. Well, I'm. I, I'm yeah, I, I agreed that if Myers can put up, you know, can be average, I think I think that's a 
a reasonable sort of uh, hope and or expectation for him. Um, but yeah, Tucker so far has been elite. Um, he'll, you know, probably slow down a little bit, but you know, he's a guy that throughout his career has actually underperformed his expected mm-hmm. slugging and those That's kinds exactly of expected right. stats. Um, not so this no year, for it, right? There's, What's there's that? No, there's no. Well, actually, that's not true. There's a bigger reason for it. Well, the, he's the most shifted shift. guy, and he had a more he had a more shift outs than yeah. anyone in baseball, right? Yeah. And and now you get rid of that somewhat. And I, you know, I've seen balls that used to be double plays, or used to be, you know, I mean, hey, left-handed hitters had it had it rough, right? I mean, there's a reason that that they made the the rules they did is, is lefties were hitting something like 150 on ground balls or something like that. And they yeah. were hitting 240 yeah. overall on BABIP. And, and you know, the, the powers that be, I it intelligently, in my opinion, said, hey, this is not interesting or fun baseball for people it to was watch, right? pretty stale, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think no one's going to benefit more than – than Jordan unless it's Tucker, right? Those two guys were were number two and four, I think, in all of baseball in um in shifted against and then outs made, you know, due to the shift. And and now both of them are are just killing it. And um I think that's a that's a big reason. Well let me ask you this. Um because believe it or not Going into today, Tucker had a uh, weighted on base average 422, which is uh-huh. uh, elite. That's the top 10%. He's still uh, <laughs> underperforming his expected weighted on base average of 458. So um, more to come there. Let me ask you this, though. With Tucker, I think what sticks out to me so far, because we're, at, at, we're we're not at the, the walk rate kind of stabilizing yet, He's walking 19.5% of his plate appearances so far. They obviously he's not going to keep that up, but his career average is nine and a half. That's a huge so, jump. So I think what that jump is about is about how much shallower the Astros lineup is. Could be. Yep. He's always been the he's always been the last elite hitter, and he still is. But you know, there was good after him. And now it's been Hensley and Pena and uh, Corey Jolks and, you know, Myers and stuff like that. Like, um, why would you give that guy anything to hit mm-hmm. when you know that, that you know, you can just throw sliders low and away to, to Pena and he's going to, you know, chase them or he can, you know, overmatch Hensley. Hensley's looked overmatched. Um Yes. You know, if, if that lineup does not get lengthened, you know, 19 is too high, but you could see 14, you could see 13, 14, 15. I mean, if he's in there, he, he will contend for an MVP this season. And I, you know what? I, I, I have predicted that um, the guy is a very, very, very good base runner. I'm not ready to say Jeff Bagwell esque, but yeah, I'm not right willing to say that he's not Jeff Bagwell esque. Um, you know, he, he with these the new rules mm-hmm. and the bigger bases. Um, I think he goes 30 30 this year. Um, maybe he gets 40 home runs this year. Maybe he's a 40 30 guy. Maybe he's a 30 40 guy if, um, you know, that happens. You know, it's, it's interesting. 
uh, success rate right now on steals is 82%. And, <laughs> and, and that's that's too high. That means that way too high. That means that guys are not running enough, right? So I think that we will start seeing uh, guys running because you need to run until it gets to about 75%. That's that's break even, right? Right. So that means, you know, the Minnesota Twins have stolen one base. And Baltimore, I think, is still in 32, right? But no one's going to benefit more than Tucker from those changes, right? Yep. And you put him on base 19% of the time via walk. You give him an extra 15 singles because the shift is shut down or something like that. And, I mean, you're talking about a guy that, you know, he's still 25 bags last year. I think he's 25 for 27. And his sprint speed is Very, like 30. Yeah percentile i mean this guy that, that will steal 30 and might steal 40 and and i think he's got 40 home run power in him he doesn't have like Jordan big boy power but he's got enough where he could hit you know where he could hit 40 oh absolutely i mean he's a he's a he's a 86th percentile exit velocity guy i mean he's he's up there he hits the ball hard um yeah so, you know, and, and you play gold glove defense and right field and, you know, you do all that stuff and, and you're on a, a winning team that, that wins a ton of ball games And, and yeah, you, you're darn right you'll be in the MVP. Now, I don't think he'll actually win it because I think it's just Shohei Otani um, yeah. should just win the MVP every year unless someone decides that they're going to hit 65 home runs. Yeah. Um, but – you know, I, I think he's going to get a lot of top five and top 10 votes. I, I you know. yeah, yeah, he'll be up there if he keeps on, you know, if he, if, if this uptick, significant uptick and walk rate is real and his strikeouts are down. So, I mean, it, it, if you look at his numbers year over year, he's just like making steady progress each, each, and how old is he? And up. This is his, his age 26 season. What did I say the the prime was twenty six to thirty or thirty one with your absolute apex at twenty seven? Yeah, mean, I would say I would say that's right. Yeah, he's right on schedule, right? I mean, the, sure. this is he's coming into his own. He was an all star before, and now he's entering his absolute prime. And you know, at his apex, he's a top five MVP candidate. Yep, and and that's what that's what he's doing, right? And and that's what your and it's going to hurt him playing in the same team with Jordan, um, you know, they're, they're, they'll take votes away from each other. Right. Um, I, I don't, to be clear, I don't expect him to win, but I expect him to have an MVP caliber season, like what we talked yeah. about with Bregman, you know, in, in 18 and 19. That, that, that's more what I'd be interested in anyway. I mean, winning it is one thing and that, you know, there's all kinds of circumstances around that, but just being, putting yourself, the Jeff Bagwell thing, right? Like he won it once, but he was in the top five so many times that um, that's really all you could ask for, uh, you know, of somebody because happenstance. And like you said, with Otani in the league, I mean. <laughs> I, seriously, if you're going to hit like, if, if you're going to pitch like an ace and you're going to hit like, I mean, basically, you know, I, I'm not talking style. I'm just talking production. I mean, basically he's, Framber on the mound, and he's Kyle Tucker with the bat, right? Yeah, um, how is that not like that? That doesn't that doesn't compute, right? I mean, it's just something yeah. that happens once a century. How is that not the most Bruce. valuable player in almost any season ever? You know, right? Because a New York Yankee hit sixty-four home runs or whatever it was he right. ended up with, right? The American League record. 
the American League record. And I haven't heard anyone mention in 20 years until last year. No, but you know, it was it was New York, and you know, not not a steroid guy uh, allegedly. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, so I I don't think Tucker's going to win the MVP, but I think he's going to be right there, and and I think that's what that that's the guy Tucker is, and I think he's going to be that guy for the next five to seven years. And I think we ought to offer him 10 years, 275 or 300 million because he's just not a guy. And I know, you know, this is frustrating, you know, Oh, we can't do longer than five-year contracts. Well, the reason you don't want to give a free agent longer than five-year contracts is because you don't want to pay for their age 38 seasons. Right. I mean, Tucker's Tucker's 26 years old right now. If you gave him a 10 year contract, you know, he's done when he's 35. He's still going to be a good player. You're going to come out ahead for 10 years, 300. Just do the deal, man. I'd, I'd do that in a heartbeat. My my thought is that after the deals that got signed this past offseason, he's going to want to be signed till he's 40 because that's what Bogart's got, right? <laughs> so so, so got. Here's, the, here's the deal. You got to give something up, though, to get that deal early, right? And, and what that giving up something is, is, hey – you don't have to worry about sucking. You don't have to worry about getting bean Dickie Thon style. You don't have to worry about tearing a hamstring or wrecking a knee or something like that. Like we're going to make sure that you're generational wealthy and we're going to give you 300 million and you need to say no to me. And, you know, I mean, he can play it out. He can make another, you know, 25 million before he gets to, to, um, to his free agent year. And then he could probably get a 13 for, for 400 right at 28 years old but but i'm just saying if it's me i'm gonna put 10 for 300 in front of him if i'm the astros and if i'm tucker i've only got one career man there's no way there's no way i'm gonna say no to 10 for 300 but we just know that's not even the neighborhood we're talking about right i mean would they would they say they were offering five or six years they're offering five years 150 or no five years 120 or something and he was never going to take that. You know? No, he was never going to take that. No. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. New uh, new general manager. <laughs> and he's talking a big game about wanting yeah. to sign guys and wanting to make Crane uncomfortable with the length of his contract. But then he signed a very clicky in, um, a, you know, with Javier. And I was happy to extend them. But. You know, it's a five-year deal where we only bought out two years of free agency. Um, this was not exactly an earth-shattering move. Yeah, I agreed, but I'm, I didn't mind it. I don't, you know. Oh, I didn't mind it. It was a good move. Pitchers, I don't know. I, I'm more comfortable giving those kinds of deals to to position players. Agreed completely. Uh, agreed completely. So I mean, you know, talking through it. We got to get better hitting, right? Than what we're doing right now. I think so. That you know, as a team, to your earlier point, they haven't actually been terrible. Um, it's I think I think there is a lot of sequencing. I think there's some bad luck. I think there's all those things are kind of in play. You know, as as is you know often the case with um, a handful of what. 15 games 20 how many games in are we now 20 now uh, 20 games um yeah i it, it it figures to get better uh even before altuve comes back um you know what you know what we're missing you know what we're missing in my opinion 
What? We're missing the power of average. 2017, we didn't have a single guy go out there offensively that was below average. Everyone was mm-hmm. like a 100 or better uh, mm-hmm. weighted run, you know, OPS plus, right? Mm-hmm. There just wasn't any – everyone on the roster was a positive war player, okay, in 2017. Yeah. We didn't have a single negative war player. Um, and all our regulars were like 100 or better, right? We've got four blackout. We've got four black holes in the lineup, and it, it's hard. Yeah, it, it's hard to keep something sustained um, day in and day out when you've got four black holes in your lineup. It's it's. Hey, is Jordan going to bail us out? Is he going to hit a three run home run? Is he? You know, is Tucker going to go three for five and or three for four with a walk and and steal two bags? You know, or mm-hmm. because you you just. You, you can't count on the power of average. Everyone's sort of doing their job, and that's what I think we're missing this year. No, I mean, that's that's right. I mean, over this whole stretch going back to 2017, right, one of the, one of the calling cards of the team has been – production from the bottom of the order right even yep. even the seven eight nine uh yeah Maldonado. No, not ever the lot nine not ever the <laughs> right i know uh i was gonna say maldonado notwithstanding but but um generally you know that's where guys like your chas mccormick's of the last couple of years have been have been you know in the lineup pena was in you know bottom of the order quite a bit last year um it like you said, it's it's just a black hole at this point that um and you know, the last several games there's been some indications of of pulling out of that a little bit, maybe, but um, but yeah, it's it's not as deep of a lineup as as we've kind of become accustomed to. That's another concern. Um, I, you know, in theory, we're getting El Tuve back, we're getting Brantley, I I guess, uh, at some point. Um I don't know how I mean. Honestly, if Brantley is anything more than a strictly platoon, Brantley needs to be a strictly platoon guy. And, you know, honestly, Jake Myers' numbers aren't terrible against left-handed pitchers. If they were in a strict platoon, um, I might not hate that. I'd prefer if, – if Myers, you know, gets it going a little bit, um, I'd prefer someone better than that. I mean, the ideal would be, you know, the the ideal is strictly platoon – Chaz and um, and and Brantley, and you've got an MVP candidate. Um, the, the way you know Chaz is at lefties, um, but you know Chaz is out on that. Chaz deserves to play every day, so so you have to find that platoon pr- partner for Brantley. Hey, maybe it's Yanni Diaz. Hey, I, I, I mean, we, you know, he's right-handed. Uh, the Astros love his bat. You know, there's no reason that that. Um, Brantley couldn't be the DH every, you know, occasional left fielder and the DH mostly against um, left-handed pitchers or right-handed pitchers. And then Diaz um, DHs against, against lefties. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we both have said, you know, be nice to see his bat in the lineup a little bit more frequently. Yeah. His, you know, it's so early and he's got 22 plate appearances, I want to say. Yeah. But his his starts at catcher, he's 4-0. I mean, small sample size alert, right? Yep. He's 4-0. The pitcher's ERA is under two, and he's got a 780 OPS. Like, yeah. I mean, like that, that's just screaming, give this guy a chance. But, you know, I the rumor is that they, 
you know, that he was a terrible defensive catcher. So far, he's looked pretty good. His pop time's really high. He's called a good game. He's he's been a lot better than what I was led to believe. And now the the whispers are that you know Dusty doesn't trust him because he mm. he doesn't prepare enough like a professional, right? And and this is just you know I don't know the same thing the same thing that got Chaz in Dusty's doghouse, dog right? It's got you know has got Diaz in there, and and you know here's the here's the part that's just that's just crazy. The front office and the development guys believe in his bat. Okay. Very much so. We're carrying Scrubby McScrubbenstein as the third string catcher. And why are we doing that? Because Dusty's afraid to, to use, you know, another catcher for a pinch hitter or or to play somewhere else. Like that's why Vasquez can play more. Right. Because we have to have, you know, that, that what happens if, if you pinch it for Maldi, God forbid your second catcher gets hurt. How are you going to finish out the game? Right. Yeah. So we, we, we listen to that and we put, you know, someone that's just terrible on the roster to be the third catcher so that you can use Diaz as a pinch hitter so that you can DH him. So you can play him at first base. So you can play him in left field so that you can get him, you know, um, 20 to 25 at bats a week and here we are three weeks in and he's got 20 23 plate appearances yeah and you just you you just want to pull your hair out yep well you know Maldonado's 37 years old or 38 years old and he's catching 80 percent of the time you know even if he was good and you wanted him there you're you're literally you're you're grinding him down in the dirt as an old guy playing eighty percent of the time. What's he gonna have left in the tank in the playoffs when we know that he needs to start every single game in the playoffs? God forbid. I shouldn't be surprised, but I am that he is playing as much as he is. I I don't know why, but I thought that uh his his playing time maybe it was because of Diaz, but I thought that maybe his playing time would get reined in a little bit. I know why because you're applying logic to it. <laughs> I try to, but um, it's a applying logic is not necessarily predictive of what the Astros' on field product will be. Uh, I, I I was on that note was going to ask you, Gabe, who. Who would you lead off every day if you were constructing the Astros lineup? Would it be Dubon? <laughs> no. Bregman. I mean, Bregman is Bregman's your leadoff guy. And if not Bregman, then Tucker. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One of those two. Um, Jordan hits second because your best hitter hits second. Yep. Um, we can leave Abreu in there hitting third right now, I guess, because your third best. So you. Your top three hitters hit somewhere between first, second, and fourth, right? Yep. So in, in this lineup, that's Tucker, that you're ab- with your absolute best hitting second, right? Where where is Mike Trout? Second. Where is Aaron Judge hit? Second, right? I mean that that is yep. a new book, right? It is. Um, so you know it, it should be if you want to alternate because God knows Dusty loves to alternate, then it's got to be Bregman first and then Alvarez second, so that you can hit. Um, Abreu third and Tucker fourth, right? And then, you know, you've got, at least at that point in time, you've got your three best hitters hitting one, two, and four with your best hitter hitting two. And you've got the the lefty right dynamics. Right? And getting the most plate appearances. I mean... That's right. 
Um, Chaz hitting fifth, I guess, if Chaz is in there. But then, sure. you know, that starts to get to the problem is, okay, you're hitting Pena sixth. And, you know, you've now optimized your lineup. But, you know, from from six on down, it's just in order of the best hitter. So then you go something like Pena, Dubon, Myers. Yeah. And Maldonado or Jolks. Dubon, Maldonado, yeah. and then at that point in time, you say, "Hey, why are the Astros not, you know, this rolling ball of butcher knives on on offense?" And let me repeat: six through nine. Yeah, um, Pena, Jolks, or Myers, Dubon, Maldonado. Right? I mean, there's there's no way mm-hmm. that that's not you know a trip to the beer concession stand if you're at Minute Maid or you know, the time when you make yourself a sandwich and, and, and go to the bathroom, right? But, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's not quite as bad as Everett Osmus pitcher, which was just automatic on that. I mean, you just, like, if you ever sat through an, if you ever sat through an Everett Osmus pitcher inning on purpose, God love him. Adam Everett was so good with the glove. He was. That he was, that, that, that dude could still play shortstop for me, okay? Mm-hmm. Even in today's deal. But not if Maldonado was my catcher, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can carry one boat anchor that's truly elite at an important defensive position. That's right. But, you know, that's why you can you can you can uh, you can have Maldonado on last year's team, right? Where you have a healthy Altuve. And I know that you, you know you can't anticipate a broken thumb. But Payne hitting eighth, right before Brantley went down. Payne hitting, hitting eighth. eighth. Yep. Exactly. Uh, it was a deeper lineup. Um, you know, it, it it's frustrating to punt offensively at, at so many spots. Um, you know, but but uh, again, we, we should be a matter of weeks away, I guess, from kind of getting out of this sludge. So bottom line, where do they need to be by the end of May when we're presumably adding – Altuve and Brantley back to the lineup. So uh, I looked at the schedule. It's yeah. it's kind of tough for the next week. We play at Atlanta and then at Tampa. Um, that's Oof. not easy. But then we come home and we get a lot of like Phillies and Giants and Cubs and stuff like that. The schedule is actually kind of soft in May. Um, you know, if we could go three and three on this road trip, that would be great. You know, yeah. that brings us back home at, um, you know, what that, that brings us back home at 12 and 13 or something like that yep. you know two and four is not the end of the world i, I mean it, it might feel like not that but it's, it's not the end of the world you know i guess we're going to test my theory on when two out of three of 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 uh framber um brown and 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 javier because those three guys go against the braves that's our three man that's our three man rotation against the braves right and that's going to be about as good as it gets because Atlanta's playing really good. I think Atlanta's the class of the National League. I do too. Um, I I, they're they won the World Series in twenty one, and they were better than us. Uh, not yeah. like Washington. Now they were better than a team that you know had no Lance McCullers and had no Justin Verlander, and that was kind of breaking down. And and you know Bregman was hurt, and you know there was a lot of stuff we could we could go into. Um, but you know, they were, they were every, I, I don't feel like they stole one from us the way no. I do Washington. Right. And then last year they won a hundred games and they just, you know, 
baseball in a five-game or seven-game sample size is, is not fair, right? You Point play flip. 162 yeah. games to figure out who the best team is, and then you play best out of five, and you're just flipping coins, man. I mean don't, – Don't get me started on that, Gabe. And, and so – which makes what the Astros have done with six ALCSs in a row just Incredible. amazing, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, you're just – you're flipping coins. So, you know – I don't hold that against them, but they're the class of the National League. I don't know how their rotation is set. Our rotation is set up where we got our we got our top three guys. You know, our offense isn't healthy, but on the pitching, you know, we those guys need to to shove. You know, I mean, Javier needs to be unhittable, Javier again, right? And Framber needs to be the same dude that he always is, and and it'll be a really interesting check in for Brown after being really really good against a, a good Toronto team yep. um, on Monday, you know, now he gets a, he get and Toronto's about as good as it gets offensively. And if anyone's better than them, maybe it's the Braves. Right. And so, you know, it's going to be back-to-back starts that, that we're going to see him um, with yep. that opportunity, but, you know, get through that three and three or two and four. Tampa has always been a house of horrors for us. The trop um, is it's just, it, it's never, never been good for us. Um, you know, so three and three would be great. And then make hay while the sun shines in May. You know, Philly's got that same World Series hangover. And quite frankly, we're just a lot better than Philly. We need to beat them two out of three. We need to beat the Giants two out of three. We yep. need to sweep the Cubs. You know, when the Astros are a hundred win team, that's what they that's what they do, right? Yeah. I mean, we play they we play the good teams well mm-hmm. and we just decimate the bad teams, except for we have that one team every year. Um, that we struggle with the Orioles, yeah. you know, winning five out of six on their way to losing 110 games. You know, I, I was with uh, I was with my buddy Paul Wadlington uh, of Everyone Gets a Trophy fame uh, in 2021, a year the Astros won 105 games, and we watched us get our teeth kicked in by a really really crappy Detroit Tigers team, mm. right? And we we got swept at home that series, and yep. the game we watched. We were non-competitive, lost seven to two, and it was one of our aces going. Okay, I don't remember who it was, and they hit six solo home runs, yes, right? And, and we could not be more lethargic at the plate. And I was with a realtor who goes to one game a year, and I was just ready to bail. I was coming out of my skin in the sixth inning or seventh inning. The game was lasting forever. You know, it was ten fifteen, and we were down seven to one in the seventh inning. And I'm, I've got season tickets, and I'm like. You know, some days you just cut your losses. You get old and you're like, I got an hour drive to get back home. I got to take the kids to school at seven in the morning. Like, it's yep. time to cut my losses and get out of here. And he's like, We can't leave the game early. And it's like, Okay, you know, and walking to, to Nympha's, you know, walk back to Nympha's because we usually pregame there. They've got okay. a free shuttle and yeah. the shuttle was late or, you know, I mean, it's just, oh. So, you know, that always happens. And maybe this year that's the Tigers again. They, they took two out of three from us. Maybe it's, you know, the crappy Orioles. I don't know what bad team is going to have our number this year, but for the most part, um, we, we club the bad teams like baby seals and we play yeah. a little bit of the five minute against the really good team. That's, usually, that's how we, usually how it goes. It's it, yeah. So, so I'm looking rough... for us to be in May. If we're, I think we, that should be about 55 games then. Um, mm-hmm. June 1, if Altuve's back, I want to see us at 25 and 20, right? That means we got to go 16 and 10 
in the next 25 and, and I think hold on you said 55 games and you said 25 and 20 you mean 25 and 30 oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i want us to be uh 30 and 25 excuse me. 30 and 25 30 and 25 so that I, means we gotta I, go yeah um, 21 and 15 do you i'd take that today for sure uh so let's see let, let me just see if that math works out right so let's go 30 divided by 55 that's a 54 percent pace over the course of 162 games is 88, 89 wins, right? Which is yeah. sort of what you talked about, right? Yeah. So if we can win at a 91 pace, which is kind of what you thought we were a 90 to 95 win team without Altuve and Brantley and without McCullers and getting off to a slow start, then, then Certainly. you know, that's the kind of team that's going to win 95 games if, if yep. we get back healthy. And also what you got to remember is we will finish the year better than we started because half the teams in the league are, well, 10 of them anyway, are going to actively get worse and chase better lottery odds and, and trade wins for to, wins today for wins tomorrow. And the Astros, you know, will trade tomorrow's wins for today, I would think, um, if we have any spot that really needs that, that really. And I'm not talking about recklessly, sure. but, um, you know, we'll give up a guy um, like Corey Jolks. Let's say Brantley comes back and Jolks goes down, right? I mean, that's an interesting guy that's probably never going to be an all-star. We'll trade that guy for a seventh-inning guy, right, in the walk year of his contract because we'll just say, hey, you know, we've got a chance to win the World Series this year. Corey Jolks is not someone you ever are going to build around. We think we can do better um, in development, um, you know, and so you're trading five war out for half a war in. And it's a, it's a deal that, that that's a fair deal for both sides, right? Yeah, um, because if you get a, a seventh inning guy and stabilize the bullpen, look at how valuable that was last year, right? And I, I'm not saying that's going to be the trade, but I'm saying we'll get a little bit better at least, and other teams will actively make themselves worse. So, yep. you know, if we're on a if we're on a 91 pace before Altuve gets back, then then this team's going to win 95 or 100. And there's a new general manager, right? We'll see. We'll see what what Brown's style is. Um... You know, bullpens obviously always a an area of of attempted strengthening right at the at the trade deadline. We'll see where uh, where they go there. I mean, maybe maybe it won't be a necessity uh, <laughs> at that point in time, but um, but yeah, I mean, if Jolks or somebody like that Myers proves to be a viable kind of major league player, see, I don't think they'll trade Myers unless they give up on him. I, because they're he plays uh, he plays an elite center field, mm-hmm. um, and, and so I think they're going to dream on him forever. They I, he's twenty six. Yeah, I think I think I'll, I'll put it to you this way: the hope of Myers being good is worth more to us than it is to someone else. If that makes sense, it does. They'll they'll ride that they'll ride that stock all. Way down, he's um, in the hope that you know, in the five percent hope that he becomes an all star, right? Yeah, because if you play gold glove caliber defense in center field and you hit it all, you're an all star. Yeah, no, for I mean, for sure, I don't think he's a lost cause or anything. Um, but so, so I don't think they'll trade Meyer, but they'll trade jokes. I mean, they see him as a oh, sure. 
They see him as a guy that can't play center field. They see him as a and can't play right field. They see him as a corner outfielder that's good. You know who else they traded that they saw the same? Teoscar Hernandez, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then he became an all-star. And what did we trade Teoscar for? Oh my God, that was the Asuna trade, wasn't oh, it? Lugie. No, 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 no. That was uh that was for our Lugie in twenty seventeen. Oh, who was gosh. it? Old guy, old guy, lefty. Yeah, that's he right. got one batter out in the World Series, but it was an important one. Yeah, it was in a win, and it was an important one. Who was that? Hey, that's right. He got one guy. Everything out. is about what's that? He got one. Everything guy is out. about the Mariners Teoscar trade. Oh. Francisco Lariano. Yeah, that's right. Francisco Lariano. Oh my God! So yeah, I guess I guess here's the thing. But Teoscar was young, and he, was, honest, he put up good numbers in the minors. If I'm being honest, yeah. No, no, no. I might make that trade again. I mean, you don't know, man. What if what if that you know what if that one out in the World Series was? I mean, that World Series was so close. It what was if that one out. Swung that it was swung the World Series. I because even is... what you missed in Tay Oscar, even him being a, a borderline all star, we didn't need that. Also, we didn't need that in subsequent years. He wasn't that until what 2019, and that's right. Yeah, you're right. That's right. That's they've right. been the World Series every year, COVID year notwithstanding. They've been in the World Series every year since then, so you're right. That's like, right. What, what difference does it make? Um. And so, but you know, that's that's what those you know you don't want to give up Jeff Bagwell for Larry Anderson. You for can Kenny give Lofton up, for Eddie Tobinsky. Well, especially on a non-playoff team. I mean, but you know, like, look, that out might be that out might be really important. And I'm not saying that out was that important. I'm not saying no one else yeah. could get it. But you know, at a certain level, you just you want to make sure that you have those guys that are on that path to victory. You've got to have those eight arms that you trust that you say, Hey, this is my game plan. This is how we're going to get 27 outs in the crucible of the highest pressure around. And, you know, if you need, if you need to trade a guy that you don't think will ever be, uh, that will ever be sort of the difference between making the playoffs and not, then, then you do that deal right in in a year that you're lined up for the playoffs, but you can't do it unless you're just, you're, unless you're just cranking out development players like the Astros are, yeah, um, and and you know you better you better be right about Forrest Whitley. Then you can uh, you know then you can sign Tucker for ten years and three hundred million. Uh, well, and we've gone way too long. And honestly, we probably we need to split this up into two podcasts because no one we need to keep this to an hour and we're coming yeah. up on two, so we could probably split this up into hitting and pitching. And we haven't even gotten to any of what I had prepared with the the miners or Forrest Whitley or this weekend. I mean, we knew this was going to go a little longer because we're talking about the entire year and setting it up. All right, Gabe. Well, um, that was a lot because we uh, crammed three uh, three weeks of the season into this uh, into this chat tonight. So. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what we talked about is we're going to do this weekly. We're going to try to release it every Thursday because the Astros typically don't play on Thursday, so it gives you something to do. 
Um, we're going to commit to keeping it to an hour and we're going to have probably four or five different segments. We only got through one, but uh, we're going to do a down on the farm recap. Um, we're going to talk about prospects on that down on the farm. So that's going to be a segment. Uh, you know, we're going to have a this week in Astros history segment. We talked a little bit of Astros, but we're going to talk about something sort of topical that week. And then we're going to talk uh, something sabermetrics, uh, you know, that, that we found interesting yes. or something sort of big picture around baseball. So we'll get this down to an hour. Um, but if, if anyone actually made it through two hours, this is what I'm going to tell you. Uh, go ahead and email me at gabekmg at gmail.com, gabekmg at gmail.com. And you've got four of my season tickets right down the third baseline. Dang. And you just say, I survived the first podcast, right? Send me that <laughs> and I will I will give you four tickets to an Astros game upcoming in the month of May. Okay, so that's the giveaway to see if anyone actually did make it through this entire two hours. All what right. If it's, what if it's me that emails you? Is that all right? Um, well, you're more than welcome to go, man. Uh, next time you're in Houston, let me know and we'll, uh, we'll go together. Definitely. We'll no, that sounds good. Um, yeah. So we will, um, we will get it down. Any, any teasers for, um, I don't know what prospect we might discuss on the next, uh, on the next pod. Forrest Whitley. <laughs> yes. Yes. Forrest Whitley. No doubt about it. Gabe has some things to say. Hey, about he's Forrest actually, and, and I'm not going to step. I'm not going to step too much on it. He is the most interesting and unusual and maybe one of the top five to 10 most important people in the entire Astros organization. That's a big statement. Okay. I'm talking about for the next decade. Wow. As Forrest Whitley, you know, I'll give you a sneak preview. If Forrest Whitley becomes a star, the Astros will contend to win a World Series through the rest of the decade. If okay. Forrest Whitley does not become at least an average pitcher our window of contention gets a lot lot shorter unless we develop someone else totally and completely under unexpected like Hunter Brown. that's a but bold then, statement but those uh, are the stakes in my opinion those are the stakes for Forrest Whitley and I'll tell you why you're gonna make that podcast. you're gonna make that case for us next time. time okay all right that is something to look and, forward to yeah, so you know we'll we'll, uh, we'll tighten it up and we'll keep it tighter. But uh, I had a great time. Um, it was our That's first right. podcast. Hopefully, you know someone liked it. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, maybe maybe someone else will like it. And you know my son, my ten year old, told me, "Daddy, I don't know why you're doing this because if you do great and you do awesome, you might get like a hundred people to listen to you." And I was like, "Oh, that's so cute." It's like when you ask a little kid how old you are. How old they think you are, and they're like, "Oh, you must be like a hundred, mommy must be a hundred, and you're like, "Oh, kids are so stupid, they don't know anything, right?" So I decided to check. And I said, "Hey, Luke, how many uh, how many people does Mr. Beast have watch his his videos?" And he said, "150 million." I looked it up. Sure enough, Mr. Beast had 150 million. So that hundred was absolutely a burn for my boy. Uh, he knows what he's talking um, about, is what you're saying. Um. I have a 10 year old yes, daughter right. and she was a bit more optimistic. She didn't give a number, but she said that she expects this to be immensely popular. So immensely popular. Well, you can measure that anyway, right? True. Yes. Um, 
but she 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 delivered the line with optimism. So between the two kids, you know, it averages out. Maybe we'll put out a you know a reasonable product. So when and have a have a decent number of that's listeners. certainly my hope. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. certainly my hope. But uh, I've enjoyed it so far, and and you know, sure. um, if we would have started on time, we we might not have spent two hours talking about what has happened so far and what will come. But we will uh, we will tighten it up, and we will only probably talk about the week that was and the week that will be right um, going that's right. forward. That's it. All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. And, and um, looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, uh, again, hit me up with that email and I will give you tickets uh, to a game of your choosing in May. Do it. All right, Gabe. Until next week.